Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you? Uh, I'm great. Uh, we finally won a game. <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, and in convincing fashion, which is, yeah. it's usually the other side of the <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, So as usual, we're here to recap the Falcons' win over the Vikings in week six of the 2020 NFL season. And this is the first win. <laughs> For Atlanta this year at, uh, you know, 0-5 going in. Uh, the Vikings, I believe, came in at 1-3. One in, uh, in and we sent them to 1-4. And Falcons go up to 1-5. And, and it was arguably the most impressive win uh, for the Falcons in a while. Uh, clearly uh, their first win this year, but easily their best game in all four quarters. Uh, so as you mentioned, 40-23. to 23, uh, The Falcons had a 20-point lead at halftime. Uh, and the, the the Vikings scored eight points in the final couple minutes, which was basically you know garbage time. The, the game was way out of reach by that point. Uh, so really, this is a situation where the Falcons held on to the lead throughout the game. Uh, don't let the the relatively close nature of the score fool you. This one was in the bag uh, about halfway through the fourth quarter. Um, and you know, to be fair. Uh, Minnesota came in with Dalvin Cook out. He is clearly, uh, you know, one of the best running backs in the league, one of their best weapons. So they obviously were missing him. But I don't want to take away from what the Falcons did because they very clearly had a phenomenal performance uh, in Minnesota, especially uh, considering some of the things we'll recap in just a little bit as we talk about Raheem Morris. Uh, as for the injury situation for the Falcons coming in, uh, we did mention Dalvin Cook for the Vikings. Uh, obviously, you know the Falcons had several guys out in this game. Uh, Tack McKinley was still out uh, with you know his uh, persistent injuries this year. Very frustrating year for him, especially in a contract year. Uh, and he is obviously one of the Falcons' better pass rushers, but uh, he is just not able to get on the field. He missed this game, and then of course Marlon Davidson and John Kaminsky, uh, who tested very late in the week uh, with COVID nineteen, they both didn't even make the trip. Uh, and we're both uh, obviously not in this game. So the defensive line 
honestly took a lot of hits uh, coming into this game with Tat McKinley, Marlon Davidson, John Kaminsky all out. And these aren't, you know, uh, pine, pine warmers. These are guys who actually contribute during the game. So there was reason to believe, you know, the Falcons may struggle on defense. And uh, that obviously wasn't the case. Uh, Evan, what was the, the, who were all the inactives for the Falcons when, when all was said and done? Yeah, so as you mentioned, uh, Tack McKinley still dealing with that groin injury. Um, Jordan Miller, who started the season, you know, suspended, hasn't really worked his way back into that, you know, active roster, but he was an inactive. Uh, Quadri Allison, he's basically just their fourth running back, and they haven't really needed him, so he was inactive. Jalen Hawkins still dealing with that concussion um, when he sustained that against the Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football couple weeks ago um, looked really good, but still dealing with the concussion. And that's, as I mentioned before, that's one of them injuries where there's not really a set timeline. Um, They can miss a week or they can miss multiple games. Some people even lose, you know, they go out for the season. So tough. Hope he gets better. Um, And then just John Wetzel, he was inactive. Um, On the Vikings side of things, KJ Osborne, one of their, you know, backup depth receivers, um, they were, Without Holton Hill and Chris Boyd, who are two other corners, and you know the Vikings, unlike recent years where you know they have pretty good corners, um, they're struggling this year. They got good secondary because of their safeties, but their corners are weak. Uh, but Chris Boyd and Holton Hill were both out, as you mentioned. Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in the league, was out, um, replaced by Alexander Madison, um, and then Drew Samaya. He's on the offensive line. He was also out, and that's the inactives. Yep. Uh, and I, I just, I want to throw this out there. They did a short segment on Alexander Madison to the tune of Alexander Hamilton and whoever did that should be fired. That was, that was absolutely awful. I don't ever want to see that on my TV again. <laughs> uh, as for the injuries during the game, uh, honestly, the Falcons stayed pretty healthy in this one. And uh, Hayden Hurst went out, I think, just for a brief period of time with, uh, I believe, a thigh injury. And obviously, he you know he ended up scoring in the second half, so he, it wasn't a problem for him. Uh, and then I think Calvin Ridley exited, what was it, in the, uh, the end of the second half? Or, or I'm sorry, end of the second quarter into the third quarter? What, when was that timing, Evan? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember the exact time, um, but he just left briefly, went to the locker room, got an IV, um, reportedly had cramping and the team designated him as questionable to return. And within seconds of them doing that, he was already <laughs> he was back, back on the field. So yeah. It, it, yeah, I wouldn't even say he really left the game. He was out briefly. Yeah. So it, all things considered Falcons health uh, coming out of this game, as opposed to, you know, the first several games of the season where they seem to walk away with multiple injuries. Uh, they came out of this one pretty healthy. So yep. great news there. Uh, and I want to get into this because I feel like this is an important point. Obviously, the Falcons going into this game had fired head coach Dan Quinn, uh, Ben Katwicka, or Kata, Kata, oh, Cal, 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 oh my God. It doesn't matter. Why can't anymore. I say? <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The, the special teams coordinator is gone. Uh, apparently, there's some names that just completely get me, like Drew Brees. I want to say Katwicka, but yeah. That may be right. Katwicka, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and Brew Drees, uh, some of our fans will appreciate that one. Uh, anyhow, yeah, Raheem had a really difficult task this week, taking over the team, 
you know, obviously the, the Falcons tried to give him as much time as possible by f- essentially firing Dan Quinn on Sunday evening so that uh, Raheem could take over on Monday morning. It's still, it's, it's such a difficult thing for a, a new coach to come in while the season is ongoing to get the team prepared, to get them up and running. And then on top of that, you know, the Falcons had Marlon Davidson test positive for COVID in the middle of the week. Uh, Thursday, they got another scare. They had to shut down the facility, so they didn't have a practice on Thursday. It is his first week as the interim head coach, and it's a travel game. It's a game where they have to go on the road, and so you don't have some of the advantages you do of being at home. So an incredibly challenging set of circumstances for Raheem Morris. And honestly, this was the uh, one of the best performances we've seen out of the Falcons as far as all four quarters in all sides of the ball Offense, defense, special teams, they looked good the entire game. Uh, Huge credit to Raheem. And specifically for him, his clock management, especially in the fourth quarter, was top-notch. He did everything you wanted to see a head coach do. No crazy mistakes, no frustrating calls like we've seen out of Dan Quinn in the past. Uh, So huge, huge kudos to Raheem Morris on his first, uh, first game as interim head coach. Feel like he did a fantastic job, Evan. Anything you want to add to his first performance as a, as the interim? Um, no, I mean, there's not a whole lot more to add. I thought the during the week the press conferences and the quotes from Morris were a little more aggressive uh, than we're mm-hmm. used to. Um, definitely liked how he was mentioning more of you know late in the games if they have the lead, they don't want to like let off the gas, um, you know. It was it was very welcomed a different change of pace and you saw it in the game. Yeah, and I, I think I, I've seen some people suggest, uh, and even some of our own writers have suggested that um, Raheem Morris is very much like Dan Quinn, and they both have very similar approaches. I do want to say I think these guys they're they're also, they are different. They're they're two different coaches. They're two different human beings, and I don't think players are going to look at Raheem Morris as Dan Quinn 2.0. So even though they have very similar approaches to coaching, you know, maybe they, they heard what Raheem had to say uh, better. So can I mention this real quick? Um, Dante Fowler, it was a, you know, there were several quotes throughout the week, but I just found this Uh, one real quick. I wanted to read, and this kind of gives you a taste of, the players love Dan Quinn and there's nothing wrong with loving your coach, but you have to be performing for them for it to work. Um, This was from Dante Fowler Jr. He said uh, about, about Raheem Morris, he was coaching us up, kind of getting in our grills a little bit, just bringing an intensity to practice, firing us up, getting us mad at him. Uh, Definitely, you know, as, as similarity as a, as uh, Morris and Dan Quinn may have, um, definitely a change right there where Morris is yep. expecting more out of them. You know, this is this going into this game as an zero and five team. Um, you, you got to get punched in the mouth a little bit here in practice. Like being friends isn't getting the job done. So I kind of like the change there. Yeah, that's a fantastic point, Evan. And I think to your to your point, it is not something we've necessarily heard uh, that has come from Dan Quinn to the players and. You know, maybe that's the big difference with Raheem as as the head guy now. Is as you said, maybe you know he's punching these guys in the mouth. And 
you know, if we look at the performance across the board, Raheem actually pointed out that he went to guys like Deion Jones. He went to guys like Keanu Neal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went to those guys and said, you have to step up. You have to play better. And those are guys that in recent weeks have just been playing really poorly. And, you know, as we'll get to as we get into the stats and whatnot, uh, those are two guys that stand out for having a really, really strong game. Keanu Neal in particular, I think, now owns uh, 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 Kirk Cousins' soul as he <laughs> just devastated him twice uh, with hits that you you know had to have rattled uh, Cousins. And, you know, Cousins is a tough guy, but God almighty, when, when Keanu Neal hits hard, like you see the soul exit these guys' bodies like in the cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, so let's get into some of the stats and let's talk about what the, the Falcons offense did. So Evan, why don't you give us some of the breakdown of what the Falcons did finally offensively in this game? Yeah, so let's start at the top with Matt Ryan. He had 30 completions on 40 attempts, 371 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions for a rating of 136.6. The standout play, I mean, there were several, but the standout play for Ryan was the touchdown pass to Julio Jones where Mm -hmm. Ryan was literally looking like he was about to just, because the Vikings pass rush was getting to him, where he rolled outside, looked like he was about to lay down to avoid, you know, taking a, a shot. And he just kind of lobbed it up to Julio, who made the rest of, you know, the play there. But, you know, kudos to Matt Ryan for keeping that play alive. I mean, that, that was a late touchdown that pretty much was, you know, a staple in the Falcons kind of distancing themselves from any sort of Vikings comeback. Um, you sent me this uh, quote or this um, statistic that I want to read real quick. Uh, Matt Ryan is the fourth player in NFL history to complete 75% of his passes for 350-plus uh, yards, four-plus touchdowns, and zero interceptions in multiple games. And he joins Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers, and that's pretty damn good company. Um, so, <laughs> exactly. you know, after Matt Ryan, I don't know how much he heard of it, but, you know, he had a rough week on Twitter and around, you know, with fans and stuff about replacing him. And, you know, the team still, you know, that, that that's not out of the question just because of that's a business, you know, business sense for the future. But Matt Ryan proved today that he can still like he's not losing you games like uh, he, he you give him time. You put him in situations where, you know, he's able to make some throws and stuff. Um, he, he still could be your franchise quarterback. Um, so I'm happy for Easy. him. Uh, so turning our eyes to the rushing game, uh, Todd Gurley, they committed to him. He had 20 carries for 47 yards, a long of nine. The run game just didn't get going, but they still were trying. So I, you know, I'm not going to get on dirt too much because there's times where the run game is doing well and he just abandons it for no reason. Um, even Brian Hill had 10 carries for 28 yards. So they weren't getting anything going on the ground, but at least he tried, you know, he committed to it. Um, and then turning our attention to the receiving game, uh, Julio Jones had, I guess, his best game of the year, uh, you know, dealing with the hamstring injury that's kept him out a couple games. Um, he had 10 targets for eight receptions, 137 yards and two touchdowns. Um, <laughs> just a terrific day. One of them went for 40. Um, let's see. I got some stats here. He's the Falcon, uh, 
This is the Falcons' Julio Jones' 57th career game with 100-plus receiving yards. So he's had 57 wow. career games with 100-plus receiving yards. That just seems that's like an unreal statistic. Even in an really all-fame career as he's had, that's that's a crazy amount. Um, and also, if you're looking at franchise history, he is now six receiving touchdowns away from breaking Roddy White's record. Or sorry, he scored twice. So he's five receiving touchdowns away from breaking Roddy White's record for the most uh, receiving touchdowns in Falcons history, which is currently at 63. So going forward, you know, it's early in the season. He's still got got some uh, history books he can uh, get into. Uh, Russell Gage did well, had four receptions for 65 yards. Calvin Ridley had seven targets, caught six of them for 61 yards and a touchdown. Hayden Hurst, as you mentioned, left the game shortly, but he was back in it. Four receptions, 51, uh, 57 yards, and a touchdown did really well. Um, Todd Gurley was a little active in the receiving game, three catches for 20 yards. Um, even Ido Smith had a catch for 17 yards. Uh, yep. But, yeah, I mean, the Falcons' offense, you know, they pretty mu- put in up 40 points like this. They pretty much showed that if the defense can halt the Vikings, which we're going to talk about, but the, if the defense can halt the Vikings or whoever they're playing, the offense can win the game. Um, and that's pretty much what happened today. Yeah. And I think the big story for me was Matt Ryan in this game. Uh, as you mentioned, his stats were phenomenal. I think more impressive, though, was he had just that confidence back in this game. And I mentioned this on Twitter, but you could see his passes had more zip on them. Uh, even just you know the, the out routes, he, he had a lot more confidence in his arm. He was getting the ball out. Uh, he really looked like he was in control the entire game as opposed to what we saw the past couple weeks. You know, some of that may have been the presence of Julio Jones. Certainly that's going to help, but he looked like a completely different player and it was great to see, as you mentioned, especially in the light of all the criticism that he received this week. And honestly, it, it you know, we had criticism for, for him as well uh, mm-hmm. at the Falcoholic uh, because he, he did have such, you know, a relatively poor game last week, especially by his standards. And I think at this point, you know, fans are still maybe split on what the team should do at quarterback in 2021. Many are thinking if this team finishes in the top, you know, two or three, they should draft a quarterback. Uh, At least for now, I think Matt Ryan has made that a more difficult conversation to have because uh, this game today was a reminder that when he is on, he is clearly one of the best, uh, you know, pocket passers in the league and uh, you know, 30 or 40, 371, four touchdowns. You can't ask for more than that. A 40 burger on the road is always a fantastic game. Um, so kudos to him. Uh, the Vikings defensively, I mean, you know, they, they periodically got to Ryan. Uh, I think they had just a couple of sacks in this game. Uh, Oda bit, um, Oda Nigbo had one and a half sacks, uh, Jaleel Johnson had the other half of that sack. So a couple of sacks, you know, they they had pressured him a few times. It wasn't a perfect offensive game for the Falcons. They had a couple of drives that did, you know, sort of stall out. Um, but it really, you know, for the for the Vikings, their defense just wasn't able to, to uh, keep these receivers covered. You know, the passing game for the Falcons uh, kept going. And, and honestly, uh, they did a good job at stopping the run, but they didn't do a good job of stopping much else. 
Uh, Eric Kendricks led the Vikings with uh, 12 tackles on the day, followed by uh, Cameron Dantzler with nine, uh, Jeff Gladney with seven, and then a handful of guys uh, you know underneath that. Uh, no interceptions, as you had already mentioned, for uh, Matt Ryan. And honestly, you know, this is a relatively good Vikings defense. It, they've been much better in the past. You know, they don't have quite the pass rush that they used to have, but you still have some really good quality players in that secondary, at least at safety. But uh, man, the the Falcons really did sort of impose their will on offense, and you know, certainly. 40 points uh, is nothing to, to sneeze at. Again, I, and I, I go back to this. When you go on the road and you beat a team like this, uh, there's very little to complain about. <laughs> um, so before we get into what the Falcons defense did, which arguably is maybe as impressive, if not more impressive than what the offense did, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. I'm joined by Evan Birchfield, and we are recapping the Falcons' impressive road win over the Minnesota Vikings 40 to 23 in week six of the 2020 NFL season. Uh, Evan, we talked about the Falcons' offense, but really, you know, it's the, the Falcons' defense that I think surprised a lot of people. We've known the talent on this offense, on the Falcons offense, is clear. You know, Matt mm-hmm. Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley, those are all big names in the league. It's really the defense, I think, that stepped up in a way that we weren't expecting. Uh, so what did they do to the Vikings? What you know, what did the Vikings actually accomplish on offense uh, during the day? Yeah, I think what helped them the most was the three interceptions, you know, having turnovers mm-hmm. like that, where the Falcons, Matt Ryan, had zero uh Kirk Cousins you know 24 36 343 yards three touchdowns three interceptions a 90.4 passer rating um not a terrible day for him uh aside from the three interceptions which you know that's pretty much what sealed it um because quarterbacks have I mean they've been lighting us up all year uh you saw what Teddy Bridgewater did uh against the Falcons last game um but that's pretty much you know what hurt the Vikings the most uh, coming into this game, Alexander Madison, as we talked about, was filling in for uh, Dalvin Cook, who was out with a groin injury. Um, Madison stuffed. I mean, one of the biggest letdowns probably if you play fantasy football, you know, that was one of the big names this week was Alexander Madison. He had 10 carries for 26 yards. Um, his longest was 16. So, I mean, that pretty much tells you all you need to know yeah. about that. Like, he yep. struggled. Um then the big day for the Vikings was Justin Jefferson, who had his career day rookie receiver, uh, 11 targets, nine receptions, 166 yards, two touchdowns. Um, I know one of them came late in junk time with a minute 26 left, but still, like, if you watch the game, you know, he looked impressive, uh, but good for them. Um, Irv Smith, four receptions, 55 yards. Adam Thielen was 
you know, you look at the stat line, he had three catches for 51 yards and a touchdown, and that's not terrible. But looking at it overall, um, he had no impact until late in the game. Um, he had a touch when his touchdown from Kirk Cousins came, you know, three minutes, 58 seconds left in the game. Um, up to that point, you know, I think he had one catch, just struggled. Uh, and that was yeah. one of the one of the players, you know, you would expect to have a big impact for the Vikings. And he was essentially shut down the whole game. Um, I mean, you look in the Falcons uh, at one point, 33 to seven before Thielen scored, um, just taken out of the game. And I think that's one of the keys to why the Vikings uh, offense, you know, struggled overall because outside of, outside of Justin Jefferson, I mean, there's nobody who really impressed for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, the Falcons defense, um, I think, Evan, you'd probably agree, this was their best performance in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Against a tough offense, like when you look at, you know, the matchups and stuff, did very well. Yeah. Yep. And like you mentioned, you know, Jefferson did his damage. Thielen coming into this game was the top-ranked wide receiver uh, by PFF. You know, he is the number one receiver in the league. And with good reason, the guy, you know, he's, I, I think, he, he never gets talked about enough, but Thielen is actually he he is consistently one of the better wide mm-hmm. receivers in this league. I mean, last and, week he had nine receptions, eighty yards, and two touchdowns against the Seahawks. Yeah, so exactly. Pretty much shut go. down until a couple minutes left, you know, in the fourth quarter, aka junk time. So yeah, exactly. And uh, and the Falcons' defense, honestly, I, I think it started with that first the first drive where. Uh, Deion Jones got that interception and uh, it just seemed like the the defense built from there. And as you mentioned, the Falcons uh, defense had three interceptions on the day Uh, that started with Deion Jones, uh, AJ Terrell, the rookie corner, who, by the way, looked absolutely fantastic today. Uh, Big kudos to him. He had a, a phenomenal game overall. Um, and then Foyer Lucan, who had you know his first ever career interception in this game, um, and I want to just point this out because Foyer has been a revelation this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I even said you know before this game, Foyer has actually been our best linebacker, um, and it, it he has taken another step in this game, and I am really excited about his potential. I was wondering early in the season if it was just one of those things where the the performance was just you know a one or two game anomaly. He is now repeating this week after week. I, I really feel like he is taking the next step in his career, uh, which is fantastic to see. And as we mentioned, AJ Terrell again, another fantastic performance. Um, Keanu Neal, I think, had another like impressive game where he was you know, a big force. Uh, in uh, stopping the run, he had two tackles for loss, five tackles overall. Uh, the Falcons in general were phenomenal against the run. They did a relatively good job against the pass, as you mentioned. You know, Jefferson got his yards and plus some, um, but overall the defense was just really impressive. And one name that jumped out, <laughs> Alan Bailey. You know, <laughs> as we mentioned at the top of this podcast, the team was missing. You know, Tap McKinley, Marlon Davidson, John Kaminsky. Um, Alan Bailey comes in and he gets a sack and then another play, which doesn't go down as a sack, but it's clear that he had disrupted the play and, and, and caused uh, Kirk Cousins to you know throw the ball away. He was a force uh, in this game. And it, 
it was the first time really where we saw this Falcons defense sort of playing all four quarters and different guys were stepping up throughout the game. Early on, you had corners like AJ Terrell and even Kendall Sheffield, who even though he gave up some big plays, he also had some plays where he was in the right position and, and the receiver just made a fantastic play. He looks like he's developing. Um, overall, this young defense, I feel like they're, this performance was something they can build off of. Again, don't let the 23 points fool you. That last, Those last eight points came in essentially just garbage time. Yeah, I mean, it was 33 to seven with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. There you go. Thank it's you. Junk That's junk time. Yeah. It, it is junk time. Um, and <laughs> AJ Terrell led the team with six tackles. Kelly Neal had five, Kendall Sheffield with four, um, and then a handful of guys after that. But I, I don't think that tells the full story of what this defense did because they really, really were just a, a revelation in this game. And again, as you mentioned, the Vikings offense has some really good players. Um, and they made Kirk Cousins not only look bad, they made him look terrible for most of the game mm-hmm. uh, and completely shut down their running game, uh, made them a one-dimensional team, uh, three interceptions. Uh, I can't say enough about this defensive performance by the Falcons. Uh, just if you had to hand over. out a game ball, who would you give it to on the Falcons? <sighs> just one, though. Yeah, You know what? And That's a great question. And here's what I'm going to say. I, I can't figure it out. And I think that speaks so strongly mm-hmm. to um, the overall quality of play from the entire roster. The, in, it, it, if I were going to pick just one, it's probably Matt Ryan because of yeah. just the, the sheer game he had. But I think you have to go across the entire roster and look at all these guys. Deion Jones. I'd Keanu give it Neal, to A.J. Terrell. A.J. Terrell. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that interception was impactful. Plus, he it was. essentially shut down Adam Thielen. I mean, even yeah. that that long yep. uh, catch, it was his second catch of the day Adam Thielen had. Um, it was a 35-yarder. I mean, you couldn't expect Terrell, a rookie, to cover him anymore. Thielen came down, actually like got banged up on the play, um, although he didn't like leave the game. I think he's just stepped out of play. But Terrell shut him down completely, had you know a big turnover, his first interception of his career, I believe. Um, couldn't expect anything more of him. Uh, that's who I'd give it to. But I mean, like you said, it'd be hard to pick one because so many of them deserve it. Yeah. And I mean, even uh, on special teams, let's give special teams, uh, some credit. Young way looked damn good. Um, yes. all of a sudden they're letting him kick long kicks that they weren't before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had a 50 yarder in the first quarter. Um, then he had a 21 yarder in the second quarter. 47-yarder in the third quarter, and then a 43-yarder in the fourth quarter. So every quarter he kicked a field goal, and, you know, shout-out to him. Like, you know, I was hard, hard on him early on because, you know, you want to have a kicker that you can trust to kick the ball. Uh, the onside kicks are cool and stuff, but we got to have a kicker in those moments to put up three points, um, and he did it, you know. He had a good day. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> easily. Um, and it, it's hard you know, for a kicker to follow up a legend like uh, Matt Bryant, uh, who in my mind will forever be the greatest kicker to play for the Falcons. And I think you probably uh, would agree with that assessment. Um, But yeah, 
you know, I had that noted in our, uh, for those that don't know, you know, Evan and I talk about, what we're going to talk about in the podcast briefly before we do these recordings. Uh, and one of the things I had noted was the fact that Koo nailed those four field goals throughout the game. And he was certainly a, a key factor in this game. Um, but yeah, it, it, again, you know, as we mentioned, all three phases, uh, they recovered, the Falcons recovered two onside kicks, by the way, um, you know, or at least I'm sorry, they, they properly recovered uh, two onside <laughs> and, attempts. And they make from the it Vikings. look too easy too. like, I think watching how easy they fell on the ball. Cause that was really the only defense of being right. like, Oh, well they didn't <laughs> want to fall on the ball because against the Cowboys, cause they might've Draw, like they fell on it so tight they look like tighter than the lid on like a pickle jar or something like it was it was secured they could have that's what's frustrating we could have had an easy win early on in the season because of oh we don't want to fall on it like they fell on it perfectly today yeah um and that's it, again encouraging and uh I, I just i have to say this again uh Huge credit to Raheem Morris with what the team did today. Yep. It is, and I, I do want to say, it is one game. The Falcons are still one in five. There is a lot of football left to be played. But I've had a lot of people ask me after this game, they're like, do you think the Falcons can still compete for the division? And I know it's it's at one in five. Like, really? We're going to ask that question? <laughs> but I want to say this. Um, no team in the NFC South has really pulled ahead. At this point, um, the Bucks, the Saints, the Panthers, they all have their own issues. N- none of the three of them have pulled out to a big lead at this point. While it is potentially possible the Falcons could begin to pull themselves back into contention, it's still highly unlikely. You know, the, no team has ever started 0 5 in the NFL and uh, recovered to make the playoffs. It's just, it's never happened. Um, and I don't know that this is a Falcons team that can do that. Again, the, the Vikings were one in four coming into this game. Uh, so it, it's not like they were this dominant force that we you know suddenly took out. They had their own issues. They were missing one of their star players. Um, I think we have to uh, appreciate this game for what it is. It's the first time in a while we felt like this Falcons team played all four quarters and that every side of the ball – did what they were supposed to do. They put 40 points up on the road. The defense mostly shut down the Vikings offense on the road. Enjoy it for what it is. Let's not try to re-examine this in the light of, well, what could this mean for the season? What could this mean for the playoffs? Like right now we're still one in five. <laughs> you know, it's We're not suddenly going to be in the playoff race, guys. It's going to take a long time to, to really figure out what this season is going to be. Um, but if you're looking for some hope, if you're looking for some encouragement about what the team may look like for the rest of the season, I think this is this is a good start, and we have to build on this. It goes from here, but what Raheem Morris did in this short week with the difficult circumstances he had is extremely impressive, and I think we should enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Evan, any final thoughts on this? Again, this is just an impressive win for the Falcons uh, in week six of the season. Yeah, not to get everybody too energized, but I mean, the next three games are winnable. We're playing at home against the Lions. Um, mm-hmm. Then we have a thirty uh, Thursday night game on the road against the Panthers. And then week nine, we have the Broncos coming to town. That was supposed to be, I believe, the game that was going to be played in London. Um, but obviously that was changed because of the pandemic. So 
Broncos coming to town in week nine. Um, and then we have our bye week. So, I mean, we could be entering the bye week realistically four and five. And that's, you know, that's not like a perfect number. It's not nine and oh, like a lot of people probably would have, you know, hoped it would be. Um, right. But that's, you know, that's still keep it, you know, we got to monitor what other, what other things are happening around the NFC South and stuff. Um, but that's not completely out of it, looking at, you know, how the current standings have been. Um, so, you know, if you're optimistic, there's some little stuff there to get excited about. Um, you can look at, you know, some of these players standing out, like, as you mentioned, Foy Luakon looking great, AJ Terrell looking great. Um, you know, but aside from that, just enjoy the win. Uh, it does hurt our, you know, if you're in the boat that's looking for the draft season, um, it probably hurts us a little bit because I believe the Giants won. <laughs> right. So if they would have lost, we would have been with the – well, actually, the Jets are currently playing, so I don't know how that game's going to turn out. But, um, you know, still top five pick, I believe, at this point. So, yeah, just enjoy it. Um, you know, me and DW will be back next week. Yeah, we will be here. <laughs> uh, whether it's an impressive win or a frustrating loss, one way or the other, we're going to recap the game. Uh, and, it, you know, just to reiterate, it is – uh, we are fans of this team. I, I think it's easy to get disconnected when you cover the team on a week-to-week basis. Um, but I still want this team to win. I watched the Falcons. I've been watching them for a very long time. And I I can't ever go into a game wanting them to lose. Uh, and today felt like a breath of fresh air. It was so much fun to watch this team literally dominate from the beginning of the game all the way to the end. And uh, even though, <laughs> even though I think many of us had our doubts throughout the game about whether they could keep the lead, and for good reason, they have let us down enough times in the past that we are uh, shell shocked in that regard. It was still fun to see them close it out, close it out in impressive fashion. Fantastic start to the uh, team under Raheem Morris, uh, and kudos to him for what he did uh, in getting this team prepared and the rest of the coaching staff uh, that remains. Obviously. Uh, a lot of challenges when you get rid of your head coach midseason, and I think they did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. So, Evan, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield, writing at the Falcoholic with the rest of our talented writers. Um, yeah, just you know, stay tuned to the Falcoholic.com. We're going to have some hopefully more optimistic pieces this week <laughs> coming off the win, um, getting you ready for next week against the Lions. Uh, as for you guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW, updates on this podcast at FalcoholicPod, and of course our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.